Hello and welcome to this NCV podcast. I'm Carl Wilding and this week we're going to be discussing trends in volunteering. This is the first thing what we hope is going to be a series of podcasts around charities and volunteering. So uh, I hope we've got something uh, interesting for you uh, today and please do feedback to us. To kick us off, I asked Matt Hill from NCVO's research team to tell us about the latest trends in volunteering. So overall volunteering rates have been pretty stable over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, And that's both for formal volunteering, so that's done through an organisation, or informal volunteering, so that's done as an individual. So for formal volunteering, it's about a quarter of adults regularly formal volunteer, so that's once a month or more. And it's about 40% of adults um, volunteer at least once over the last 12 months. So you've got this story of kind of stability over the last decade or so, but actually what's really interesting is when you look underneath those headline figures, you can see that rather than the population being split between those volunteers and non-volunteers, actually most people, so about three quarters of people, move in and out of volunteering. So they'll volunteer one year, but not the next year. And I think that's really interesting for uh, policymakers and organisations, because I think we tend to focus on trying to get non-volunteers to become volunteers, when arguably the focus should be more on um, trying to get those irregular volunteers to actually volunteer more. So the latest data we've got shows that, um, on average, a formal volunteer spends between 11 and 12 hours a month volunteering. And that's, again, remained pretty stable over the last 10 or 15 years. What was really interesting from the ONS data is that look, so that data looks at... Um, how people use their time in all sorts of different ways across the day, was that although the time spent volunteering, again, had been pretty stable between 2000 and 2015, there'd been some quite big changes, particularly between different age groups. So we saw that actually for younger volunteers, so that's 16 to 24-year-olds, the time they spent volunteering had increased quite significantly over the last 15 years. And that really um, supports other data that we've got from from other surveys, which shows quite a strong increase in youth volunteering over the last few years. So we're not sure exactly why it is, but I think we've got a good idea of some of the causes of that. For starters, there has been a clear government focus on youth volunteering in terms of a range of different programmes that have been um, introduced. And I think interestingly about those, the focus both on recruiting young volunteers, but also supporting organisations to think about how they can develop roles that are actually attractive for young people. But I think as much as kind of government policy, it's about the changes in the way that young people have seen volunteering. So I think increasingly young people are seeing volunteering as a way to kind of get ahead in life, whether that's getting into uni or kind of getting a foot up on the career ladder. And there's an increased Um, expectation almost of young people that they will have that kind of volunteering string to the bow. So I think that also explains the increase. Conversely to young people, actually we saw that the amount of time spent by old people had decreased quite significantly since 2000 and we're not sure why that is, although it does raise the question whether there's been too much focus on younger volunteers and not enough on kind of older people's volunteering. So we know time is one of the most important barriers to volunteering. So The data we've got from non-volunteers shows that about half of them cite kind of work commitments as a reason for not volunteering. About a third cite childcare responsibilities. And actually about a quarter just say they do other things with their spare time. So it's clear that time is a barrier, but I think we do have to um, look in a bit more detail about what that 
means. You know, if I was asked why I've not learned Spanish, why don't I exercise more, why don't I phone my mum more, I could cite time as a barrier. What the um, ONS data shows is actually what those non-volunteers are doing with their time instead of volunteering. And clearly s some of the data shows that, you know, people do have uh, paid work responsibilities or childcare. But what the data also shows that non-volunteers are much more likely to spend time sleeping, um, consuming mass media, and doing other kind of leisure activities. So I think the question then for organisations is not that um, people don't have time to volunteer, but that they're choosing to do other things with their time rather than volunteering. So volunteering has clearly faced a lot of competition from other kind of leisure activities, which organisations obviously need to respond to. So another interesting thing from some of the wider research, though, is that actually it's often those kind of busy, connected people who are actually more likely to volunteer than other groups. So we might think, well, why is that then? Because you'd think that they wouldn't have as much time. But it's actually because often they have the strongest kind of social connections and social networks. And what the key there is that um, we should be seeing volunteering as a social phenomenon rather than an individual phenomenon. So those people who are well-connected have strong social networks are much more likely to get kind of asked to volunteer um, and then obviously more likely to take on those opportunities. You know, relatively few people kind of wake up and think, I'm going to volunteer today. Most people get into volunteering by someone kind of asking them to do a specific task or help them out in a specific way. So if you've got those stronger kind of social connections and networks, you're just much more likely to get asked. Those people who are watching Netflix instead of volunteering, it's not necessarily that they've consciously chosen to watch box sets and rejected volunteering. It's more that um, they perhaps haven't been asked to volunteer. Often it's not the overall amount of time that puts people off volunteering, but it's this perception that volunteering is a kind of regular binding commitment of time. And I think as people's lives are perhaps less kind of routine than they used to be, people are increasingly looking for opportunities that are more flexible and kind of fit around um, their lives. We spoke with some people from some of the biggest volunteer-involving organisations in the country to ask them about what they're doing in response to the trends that Matt's just been talking about. I'm Helen Timbrell. I'm the Volunteering and Participation Director at the National Trust. Uh, I think there's a couple of things. So the first thing is around what we've talked a bit about today, around product development. So how do we change the way we package up our volunteering to make it more attractive to a wider range of people? That might mean we need to offer volunteering at different times of day. It might mean we need to offer volunteering that's kind of programmed or has got a clearer start and finish. We might need to be open to people volunteering in groups with people they already know, their families. So there's some product development that we need to do, but I think the thing that's really interesting for our organisations is how we get better at managing relationships with volunteers who might dip in and out of volunteering with us over time. So that statistic about 76% of volunteers are irregular volunteers through a year is really crucial, I think. How do we maintain a relationship that facilitates and encourages them to keep coming back through that year, even if they're not with us, kind of continually over, over a period of time? Hi, I'm Alan Murray. I'm Head of Volunteering and Employee Engagement at the RSPB. I think we've got a challenge internally in addressing a culture. So we're an organisation with a long history of involving volunteers. People are quite used to involving volunteers and they've probably got a, quite a good idea of how that works and what's involved in that. 
So we've got a challenge of getting them to think a little bit differently around that, particularly in terms of making volunteering more flexible and more accessible to new audience and in different ways. So the way we're looking at doing that, I guess, is encouraging people to think a little bit differently about how roles might be fulfilled. So does it have to be based in an office? Does it have to be done nine to five? Could it be done at two o'clock in the morning remotely and emailed in? But then again, we've also got the challenge of we've got some very specific roles that have to happen at specific times. So we run shop and retail outlets. So traditionally our guys might have recruited somebody and said the role needed to operate nine to five. We're challenging to say, well, really, did it need to operate nine to five? Maybe the busy time is 10 till three. And if we advertise a role at 10 till three, anybody who has to be at the school gate at nine and the school gate at 3.15 can do that role. Whereas if we said nine to five, they can't. So it's that kind of challenge of thinking in the organization I think we need to address and take forward. I spoke with Kristen Stevenson of NCVR to ask if we're thinking just a little bit too much about time as a barrier to volunteering. Lots of organisations talk to me about how they can make volunteering more flexible and how we can fit it around people's lifestyles, which I think is, is still needed. Um, but I think it suggests that just offering flexibility isn't the whole solution and actually we need to think a bit more creatively about how we can embed volunteering into the day-to-day -day for people. So thinking about how we can tie it in with um, other lifestyle activities like running or cooking or social activities, so things like Good Gym that actually allow people to volunteer whilst keeping fit, or Casserole Club that allows people to um, get involved really easily just by cooking an extra portion of food. So how do we make volunteering something that people choose to do um, with their time? I think that was really interesting. I mean, we've always known that people are busy, um, but this idea that people are choosing to do other things instead of volunteering. So, you know, on a bank holiday, they're spending time watching a box set instead of volunteering. I thought that was really interesting because that feels really different to me to sort of some of the arguments that we've been thinking about that people are having to do other things instead of volunteering. So this idea that you're, you're commuting or that you're looking after an elderly parent stops you from volunteering. It's a very different conversation though if people are choosing to do other things because we're just not what they want to do sometimes. Yeah, and, and people ultimately have to make that choice to decide to spend their free time in that way. We need to think more about this life course approach to volunteering because people's ability to participate changes throughout their lives depending on what's happening at that time. So volunteering doesn't happen in a bubble. There's lots of other things that might get in the way or might trigger involvement. So it could be an emotional reaction to something that's going on. So a cause becomes particularly important to them at a particular time that encourages them to get involved. Um, and I think as organisations, we, we perhaps haven't enabled um, adequate pathways between different opportunities at different times in people's lives to make sure that people can volunteer throughout their lives at different points and can fit volunteering around what's happening in their lives at a particular time. Kristen was even talking about whether we should think of ourselves as volunteering enablers, not as volunteering managers. Rather than shaping a specific role for a volunteer to come in and do, that we allow um, for volunteers to be more involved in shaping what that role looks like, or that you might not even have a role defined for that volunteer at all. Actually, what you're, ask, what you're doing as a, as a volunteer manager is enabling someone to give their time and talents in a way that works for them and works for your organisation. Um, so it's about facilitating that giving of time and making it easy for someone. Um, so it's about being 
Um, if you were a business, it would be about being customer focused. Well, in this case, it's about being more volunteer focused and putting more control um, in the hands of the volunteer about what their experience is like. I think we're particularly bad at doing this for older volunteers. Um, I think we kind of assume that older volunteers often want to do more traditional roles that are more structured. Um, but actually, older people have a whole wealth of experience to bring and can shape their own projects. So Volunteer Matters have had a programme called RSVP where they ask older volunteers, you know, what matters to you in your community and how might you want to make a difference? So it's not about recruiting older volunteers into a role, it's about enabling them to shape their own projects. But also I think what was coming out of that research, if I understood it correctly, is that if you're an older person, you've just got uh, just as much pressure on your time as someone who is younger than you because we know that older people might be looking after very elderly, elderly relatives or they might also be carers for grandchildren. I think, did you call them the sandwich generation? Yeah, so they might have caring responsibilities on, on both sides potentially. Um, and so we focused, I think, quite a lot on short-term flexible roles for younger people or perhaps busy professionals but we really need to think about flexibility for people of all ages. Kristen and I also talked about whether or not we're just spending too much time in thinking that volunteering has to be fun all of the time. Volunteers will always want their experience to be rewarding. Um, whether it could always be described as fun, depending on the role they're undertaking, I think is, is debatable. Um, so we've talked a lot about sort of flexibility and fun, and um, but let's be let's be realistic um, not all volunteering roles could be broken down into short-term flexible bite-sized roles um, there's always going to be a place for and value in sort of more term more long-term structured roles that might require um, training or induction so volunteers do tough roles as well that are really important and make a really meaningful contribution the volunteers undertaking those roles probably don't have fun all the time. So if you think about volunteers for the Samaritans who are helping people through a really difficult time, if we think about the RNLI where people are actually putting their lives at risk, um, saving other people, I'm sure that isn't fun all of the time. Um, and also lots of roles require quite a lot of training and induction to enable people to give advice and support, for example. So we think of the citizens' advice bureaus across the country, volunteers have to have. Um, the right training so they can give the right advice to people that use those services. So I think, I think we do need to make sure that we can give volunteers a really good experience. Um, I think that fun factor should be there, um, but it might look different depending on the nature of the role that the volunteers are undertaking. I wonder if there's a little bit of do we, do we need to ask volunteers to meet us halfway a bit? Because lots of this trend stuff, it's about how everybody wants flexibility. They want to know what difference they're making. It's got to be fun. I mean, it all sounds a bit demanding. Do you think, do you think we need to sort of, I don't know, ask people to sort of just remember that sometimes this, this is ultimately about helping others? Well, I think that, that relates back to points that have been made before around recognition. So if volunteers really feel like they're making a valuable contribution, they can perhaps accept that you know they have to do it in a certain way to make it easy for the charity. Um, and none of this stuff is easy. It's always going to be a negotiation between the organisation and the volunteer. Um, 
actually for volunteer managers one of the difficult things is sort of balancing uh, the demands of the organisation and what they need volunteers to do, what's really um, most beneficial for volunteers to give their time to, where a volunteer is going to make a difference and establishing what where those areas are, but also making sure that it, it fits with how the volunteer wants to get involved and it's a bit of a balancing act. I asked Kristen about how volunteer-involving organisations should be responding to the trends that we've been hearing about. I think uh, volunteer managers need to have a, a diverse range of high-quality opportunities on offer. So thinking about the, the, the offer that we make to potential volunteers and, and how that is split between perhaps um, more regular, more committed roles, but allowing some sort of flexible roles in there as well. So it's looking at the range of volunteering products, if you like, that we offer. Um, and thinking about how we can, we can enable people to move um, from one role to another. So thinking about the pathways in our organisation between those roles, um, I think that's quite important. So enabling um, people to perhaps come into the organisation in, in one particular role, it might be a short term role initially, but how might we potentially build a relationship with them so that they um, then go on to undertake other roles, give more time potentially, or how do we enable people to maintain a connection with our organisation, even if they decide that the role's not for them and they move on or something in their life crops up so that they can't volunteer? How do we maintain that connection with them so that that sort of pathway is joined up? And with the general election this month, I also asked Kristen what does she think the new government should be doing about volunteering? So we're asking um, government through the manifesto to think about allowing people time off to volunteer um, and that could be around specific roles like trusteeship um, but why not other volunteering as well. I'm James Banks, I'm Chief Executive at Greater London Volunteering. On a practical level, one of the differences that could really be made with government programmes is to think about how existing volunteering activities and volunteer centres can be in integrated with the work that's going on. Rather than creating separate initiatives with separate databases, separate websites, separate apps, separate new things, separate logos, separate brands, separate uniforms, separate ways of doing things, there's a huge amount of stuff that's already happening that's been successful for hundreds of years and there's much better ways that that could be integrated into what's already happening. I guess my instinctive response to that question is to say not suck the life and joy out of it. So sometimes I notice the language around volunteering becomes one of service um, or, and it has a tone of kind of obligation and a, and a heaviness and an earnestness about it which I don't know I instinctively pull back from what I know from all my years of experience and all the research in volunteering is that people volunteer because it makes them happy it gives them joy they meet people they have fun and so making sure that a government doesn't suck the life out of volunteering I think is really important I also think there's some really great opportunity to grow what we would think of as employer-supported volunteering. So I think there's been tinkering around the edges of that. When I compare it to the growth in youth social action and youth volunteering, which has happened because of consistent funding and consistent promotion and consistent um, kind of encouragement for organisations and partners to get involved over a period of time, that's clearly made a big difference. We still haven't yet seen that for employer-supported volunteering, and that's where there's a massive opportunity. That was Helen from the National Trust there. So I think it's pretty clear from everything that we've heard that there's a lot of change uh, in the world of volunteering at the moment and the way that we need to think about time might just be a little bit different than we previously thought. 
So I hope that what you've heard will help you think about that yourselves. This is the first in what is a series of podcasts around charities and volunteering from NCVO. Please do feed back to us. You can get in touch with me uh, on Twitter, where I am at Carl Wilding, or you can tweet at NCVO as well. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. (laughs)